Welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're here. For more information, you can visit hallelujah.org or download the AOI app on Apple or Google Play. I am uh, so grateful to be here with you today and to have this opportunity. And uh, man, what a wonderful time it is. Uh, We've had a uh, great feast thus far, and I hope I don't mess it up this morning. (laughs) And so uh, this is what I want to talk about today, covenant keepers. Psalm 25:14 says, "The secret of Yahweh is with those who fear Him, and He will show them His covenant." So that's a good promise, isn't it? If we fear Him, that He will show us our co- uh, show us His covenant. So this must be pretty important. It speaks of a secret in the first part of the verse. His secret is with those who fear him. And then this key point there in the last part of the verse, he will show them his covenant. A covenant is defined as, in the English dictionary, a solemn agreement between two or more persons or groups to do or not to do a certain thing. The etymology or the word history for this English word derives from Old French and goes back from there to Latin. And there's a couple of basic words there that it derives from. The word com, meaning together, and also the word something like veneer. I don't uh, profess to know how to pronounce all these words, but, uh, but to come. And so literally, the word, the English word covenant means to come together. You come together in agreement. For example, compare Isaiah 118. Come now and let us reason together, says Yahweh. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Can you imagine the fact that the Almighty gives us an invitation to come and reason together with Him? That's powerful, isn't it? That's quite a privilege, isn't it? And we need to take advantage of that. Remember that in that definition of the word covenant, it started out by saying a solemn agreement. A solemn agreement is serious, it's grave, it's earnest. Thus, keeping a covenant is a very serious matter. That's one reason that I believe we should be so intent upon talking to people about baptism. When we try to do that around here, when they say they want to be baptized, we try to let them know how serious of a matter this is. If you make an agreement with Yahweh, this is not something to be gone back on. This is something to take very seriously, very gravely, and very earnestly. So, hey folks, this matters. That's one of my attention-getting slides there. Hopefully everybody's got it. Big red. Hey, folks, this matters. Thus, 
Keeping a covenant is a very serious matter. We first see the word covenant in the Bible in Genesis 6.18. So let's look at that. Genesis 6.18 says, But I will establish my covenant with you, speaking to Noah, and you shall go into the ark, you and your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. Notice that Noah took very seriously the things that Yahweh told him. In verse 22, it says, Thus Noah did according to all that, Yah that Elohim commanded him. So he did. That's what needs to be said of us someday. Thus we, such and so and so, did according to all that Elohim commanded him. So he did. A good exercise, a good thought might be to put our name in there. Like hopefully I could say, thus Chuck did according to all that Elohim commanded him, so he did. Insert your name and think of that. After all, Noah is one of the patriarchs. He's one of the fathers of our faith. And it says that Yahweh showed him grace. Does Yahweh show us grace? Indeed he does. In the Hebrew text, the word is bereth, bereth. Strong's Dictionary defines it as a compact because made by passing between pieces of flesh. A compact because made by passing between pieces of flesh. Now to our Western mindset, that doesn't make much sense. But let's compare a couple of passages in the Bible. Let's go to Genesis chapter 15. And we'll read the entire chapter, uh, the entire 85 verses. No. How many people know that Genesis 15 is not 85 verses? <laughs> All right. It's only 21. I think we can proceed through them pretty quickly. After these things, the word of Yahweh came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Master Yahweh, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold, to me you have given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of Yahweh came unto him, saying, This shall not be your heir, but he that shall come forth out of your own bowels shall be your heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if you're able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall your seed be. And he believed in Yahweh, and he counted it to him for righteousness. So we see from that verse, it's very important for us to believe Yahweh, like Abraham did, like our father Abraham did, another patriarch like Noah. So verse 7 says, He said unto him, I am Yahweh that brought you out of Ur of the Chaldees to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Master Yahweh, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And he said unto him, Take me an heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these, and divided them in the midst, and laid each piece one against another, but the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. 
Verse 13, and he said unto Abram, know of a surety that your seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them and they shall afflict them 400 years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge and afterward they shall come out with great abundance. And you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall come hither again for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And I want to pause there and make a side point on the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. I believe it's very important for us to take into account for greater understanding of the message of the Bible that Yahweh would allow these inhabitants of Canaan to live in the land until their iniquity would be complete or their lawlessness is another word for iniquity. Until that was complete, at that time, Israel was to possess the land and completely exterminate the seven nations of the land of Canaan. These seven nations are mentioned, by the way, in Deuteronomy 7, 1 through 6. And so when Israel went in to conquer the land, this was actually the judgment of Yahweh that was falling upon these people. The iniquity had reached a full point. And we might consider that, we would do well to consider that today, that I believe when the iniquity, once again, of this world reaches a full point, that that is going to be the timing of Yahweh uh, when he will bring judgment. Now, when that will occur, I don't know. It seems like to me that we've been over full. But uh, Yahweh knows, and I'm not going to second guess him. I'm glad he's in charge and not me. I'll tell you that for sure. But once again, so that's what Israel was doing when they went to conquer that land. They were carrying out the judgment of Yahweh. This was not some, uh, just some fancy that Yahweh or the children of Israel came up that hey, I think I'll go exterminate those people. It was actually the judgment of Yahweh and that helps us to understand then what is going on in that scenario. So, Verse 17, and it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. In the same day, Yahweh made a covenant. Here we have Yahweh making a covenant with Abram, saying, unto your seed I have given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites and the Kenizzites and the Cadmonites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Rephaims and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Girgashites and the Jebusites. And so we find that there, were the, there was the death of these animals involved in this process and that when the sun went down, a smoking, uh, a smoking furnace, a burning lamp it calls it, passed between those pieces so Yahweh caused Abram to see this site, and he made a covenant with Abram there. So let's just keep that in mind, and let's turn to Jeremiah 34, 8 through 20. And by the way, let me uh, just say a few words here. Some of you may still be turning there, so maybe I can get this in while you're doing so. Uh, Jeremiah 34, 8 through 20. But I was going to say also at the outset that 
talking about the Feast of Tabernacles. You know, during, in a time like this, we may get a little taste of what Israel went through uh, as they dwelt uh, in their tabernacles and they moved about. And that's one of the purposes of the Feast of Tabernacles is that we would remember that Yahweh delivered them from Egypt and they dwelt in booths, right? So we might, as I said, learn a, a little small taste of what they went through. And I wanted to tell you an experience that, uh, you know, Danny talked about yesterday how that sometimes our ire gets up and we kind of work up a little anger and, and, uh, and we just, we want to, we want to carry that a little bit because, uh, because we just want to get it out and make full use of it. I'm not saying it as good as he did yesterday, but, uh, but this morning in the tabernacle that I'm staying in, I, uh, I got to the side of the bed, you know, and the wall's about this far away. And uh, I was putting on my pants. <laughs> and uh, and I, had to, I had to like stick one leg in and try to pull that leg completely up so I could get the other leg down on the other side. And you know, I thought, man, this is frustrating. And, uh, but I'm thankful, I've got a nice camper that I'm staying in. But uh, think of what the, like I said, we might get a little taste of what the children of Israel went through. And I'll bet you there's some of you out there that might've gone through the, the same type of frustration. So just a little, uh, just a little humorous note there, but uh, th this is a great time, this Feast of Tabernacles. So Jeremiah 34, eight through 20, let's get back into the word. This is the word that came unto Jeremiah from Yahweh after that the king Zedekiah had made a covenant with all the people which were at Jerusalem to proclaim liberty unto them, that every man should let his manservant and every man his maidservant, being an Hebrew or an Hebrew S, go free, that none should serve himself of them to wit of a Jew his brother. Now when all the princes and all the people which had entered into the covenant, they entered into this covenant, heard that everyone should let his manservant and everyone his maidservant go free, that none should serve themselves of them anymore. Then they obeyed and let them go. But afterward they turned and caused the servants and the handmaids whom they had let go free to return and brought them into subjection for servants and for handmaids. Therefore the word of Yahweh came to Jeremiah from Yahweh saying, Thus says Yahweh, the Elohim of Israel, I made a covenant with your fathers in the day that I brought them forth out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondmen, saying, At the end of seven years, let you go, every man his brother, a Hebrew, which has been sold unto you, and when he has served you six years, you shall, not let, uh, you shall let him go free from you. But your fathers hearkened not unto me, neither inclined their ear. And you were now turned and had done right in my sight, in proclaiming liberty every man to his neighbor. And you had made a covenant before me in the house which is called by my name. But you turned and polluted my name and caused every man his servant and every man his handmaid, whom you had set at liberty at their pleasure, to return and brought them into subjection to be made unto you for servants and for handmaids. Therefore thus says Yahweh, you have not hearkened unto me in proclaiming liberty, every one to his brother and every man to his neighbor, 
Behold, I proclaim a liberty for you, says Yahweh, to the sword and to the pestilence and to the famine, and I will make you to be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth. And I will give the men that have transgressed my covenant, which have not performed the words of the covenant, which they had made before me, when they cut the calf in twain and passed between the parts thereof, the princes of Judah, the princes of Jerusalem, the eunuchs and the priests and all the people of the land which pass between the parts of the calf, I will even give them into the hand of their enemies and into the hand of them that seek their life and their dead bodies shall be for meat unto the fowls of the heaven and to the beasts of the earth. Can we get an idea of how serious of a matter it is to make a covenant, an agreement with Yahweh? And then how serious it is to decide you're going to turn back from that covenant if you do that. This is a very, very serious matter. So the Torah said to let the, the Hebrews, Hebrew servants go free uh, in the seventh year. And these people, just think of it. They said, okay, well, we'll do that. And they actually set them free. And then they decided, no. I don't think that's really what I wanted to do after all. Let's, let's get them back. And it kind of reminds you of kind of the same type of attitude that Pharaoh had. And uh, so they had turned and done right in his sight, but then they turned back and they polluted his name. They transgressed the covenant. Notice it says, when they cut the calf in two and passed between the parts thereof, verse 18, and... Bear with me a sec here. I'm not spotting the verse uh, offhand, but uh, 19. There you go. Thank you so much. Uh, all the people of the land which passed between the parts of the calf. So it mentions it twice there in verses 18 through 19. And so after reading these scriptures, I just want to... Uh, call attention there to my last point on this slide is that you could say this is dead serious. <clears throat> All right. I think I've got some of you thinking out there. <laughs> the Gesenius Hebrew Chaldee lexicon for this word barith comments a covenant so-called from the idea of cutting since it was the custom in making solemn covenants to pass between the divided parts of victims. So once again, in our Western way of thinking, that really doesn't make too much sense to us offhand. But when we search into uh, what was done back in these days, we, we find the information that this is, uh, this is one way that they made a solemn covenant and there, was, there were, there were the, the death of these animals that were involved. And, and I think it did picture to the person entering into this agreement, if you value your life, then you better make sure that you, uh, you stand good on this one. So Proverbs 23, 23 tells us, buy the truth and do not sell it. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. I had a good friend named Bill Stubbs who I can't tell you how many times I heard him cite this verse. 
but we're to buy the truth and sell it not. That's part of the, the seriousness of our commitment. We need, to, we need to get it and we need to keep it and not, uh, we can share it, but not give it away in the sense that we, that we lose out on it, that we don't have it ourselves anymore. By the way, I wanted to mention that the word for covenant from the Greek text is diathake, diathake. And uh, maybe a good way that you could think of to remembering that is uh, think to yourself, uh, what do you think, eh? <laughs> diathake, what do you think, eh? Because it's very important that we think about this situation that we think about, if we haven't entered into an agreement with our Almighty, that we do, and that we also consider how serious of an agreement it is that we are involved in if we've made this commitment. So I think a very important. <clears throat> we live in a world that is going morally and spiritually bankrupt. And so, it's not convenient to make a stand for Yahweh in our world, and yet it is so important. And I believe it will help us if we consider these things to, to be of stable mind and to march forward for Yahweh, even, even in the presence of problems, uh, even in the presence of where there are uh, other forces, other people, uh, that are working against that direction. In Matthew 24, verses 37 through 39, it says, But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So just stop and consider. They were eating and drinking. They were carrying on as normal, in other words, until the day that Noah entered the ark. And so that's a, that's a, we have a picture of what it's going to be like before the coming of the Son of Man is. And so in many ways, things may seem to be going on as normal, but... We need to not let that dissuade us uh, from our commitment and the, the seriousness of our commitment to Yahweh. I actually went to the trouble of putting that on a slide, and uh, so there you go. I already read it. <laughs> so today, today, and that's what the Bible says, this day, we need to be covenant keepers. Today, if you will harden not your hearts. Recall that verse? So let's turn to Hebrews chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. Hebrews chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. And let's read the text uh, down through the first part of the fourth chapter. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling... 
Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Messiah Yeshua, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is Yahweh. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Messiah as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast. Did you catch that phrase? If we hold fast? It's part of the seriousness of this matter. If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. We have to hold fast, and how long do we have to hold fast? To the end. Wherefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living Elohim. And so that's part of the message I'm trying to bring, emphasize today, is to take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living Elohim. And of course, I take that message for myself as well. But it says, exhort one another, that's also one thing I'm trying to do today is exhort. Exhort one another daily while it is called today. Today, we need to be covenant keepers. Today is called today. This is the time that we need to do this. This is the time we're living right now and we have an opportunity. While it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Messiah Notice this next phrase again, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Didn't the writer just say that not long ago? And he's reminding us again, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Provocation is not a word that we often use in our modern English language. Uh, but that is they provoked Yahweh. That's not the, that's not the way that we should be. We, we don't want to be that type of people. Not to have a hard heart, not to provoke Yahweh. Verse 16, for some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And I want to make a side point as we're reading through here uh, to encourage you in your commitment to keep Yahweh's Sabbath. One of the sins that these people committed back there was Sabbath breaking. You can find that in Exodus 16, verses 26 through 28. And notice that it's still labeled sin here in Hebrews 3.17. So I just want to encourage you, in, encourage you in your commitment to keep Yahweh's Sabbath. 
But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? Verse 18, And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. They could not enter in because of unbelief. Carrying on to chapter 4, let's read the first two verses. So keeping in mind that they could not enter in because of unbelief, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. Now that's an interesting statement. The gospel was preached to us, but the writer says the gospel was preached to them in ancient Israel way back there. Well, yes, it was because they received the good news of deliverance from bondage. And that's the same thing that's offered to us, deliverance from bondage, the bondage of sin. And so... They received the good news. Now, sadly, as we read about, it, it was not mixed with true belief in many of them. And they faltered. And they didn't make it like they should have. Let it not be the same with us. Let us believe and truly believe and commit our way to Yahweh. This is not just a head knowledge. This is a commitment for life to Yahweh, that we have to hold steadfast unto the end. This is a serious matter. We have an agreement with our maker. This is a serious matter. So continuing here with verse two, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So we have to trust Yahweh, we have to believe Yahweh. We have to obey Yahweh. This is part of true trust and true believing. We have to heed to his word. Today, while it's called today, today we need to be covenant keepers. And hey folks, this is serious. This matters. May Yahweh bless you with a great remainder of the feast. Have a great day and may Yahweh richly bless you.